Human beings have neither the oral nor the psychological capacity to withstand the awesome power of God's true voice. Theology unplugged. Hermeneutics. Herman who? The path of the righteous man is beset on all sides by the inequities of the selfish and the tyranny of evil men. Theology unplugged. I mean, uh, if God is omniscient, if he knows everything, and he wouldn't be God if he didn't, then he must have known, even before the creation of the world, the names of those who will be saved. Theology unplugged. Only let my errors be proven by scripture. Theology unplugged. Would you guys agree that Christianity is defined so much and it's how we act, but we do have some definite theological markers. Theology unplugged. Midwest, too. You know, I think all the, super, well, the superhero movies came right after the World Wars. You know, they just kind of were exploding yeah. at that time. He's from you know, Nazareth, the backwater. Can it. anything good come from Smallville? Right. I ask you. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. Okay. Theology unplugged. Apologetics method. Are we doing it over Superman? Uh, no, we are not. That's what I'm prepared for. Is that right? Yeah, I can get that shirt and everything. Well, while Superman, the shirt. 1978 Superman is classic. The only person in this world that classic. I like more than Superman. It's not is classical Bono. apologetics. Is what? Bono. We can talk about him all day. No, we're not going to talk about Bono either. I'm this close to worshiping Bono. Don't do that. All right. Well. In the name of love, don't do it. <laughs> nice. What are we talking about? Uh, class- I got it wrong. Classical apologetics. Okay. <clears throat> yes. Classical. Because classical. Just so to far, recap, what have we covered? Right, so far, we've covered presuppositionalism mm. and then evidentialism. And now we're going to move on to a third method that is employed. Uh, probably uh, next to evidentialism, it's the most popular method of apologetics and it's what's called the classical method yeah so and that's what we're going to talk about all right well good and just let everybody know we are doing this kind of crossover thing where the guest from the uh, uh, apologetics unplugged are on theology unplugged that's right me. so about thank you guys for doing this we yes. are talking about apologetics this is topically appropriate <laughs> yes it's it's under the umbrella of theology now classical apologetics the first thing that i would do if we were talking about if i was telling somebody you know the elevator story about this mm-hmm. you know you have to you have to have evidentialism in mind to understand classical apologetics and we did do evidentialism and the reason why i say that is because the the method of acquiring knowledge and conviction is done and just hang with me it's done deductively rather than inductively it's from the top down rather than the bottom up Mm -hmm. Um, one of the best books i don't know if you guys have ever read this but one of the best books i've ever read on just talking about these four positions in apologetics that we've been going over is rob bowman's faith has its reasons yeah and i mean it's a big book but he goes through so much i have that book and i've used that book do you like and, it? Oh yeah, it's great. And and uh, as Carrie told me, because Rob is a is a part of this, uh, you know, uh, by distance. Yeah. Right. He's yeah. A, yeah. shout uh, out he, to Rob. Yeah, little shout out. And oh. uh, yeah, the emphasis you're making on reason. Yeah. More than on uh, evidences. Yeah. Not that it's to the exclusion of evidences any more than an evidentialist works to the exclusion of reason. Yeah. But it's a matter of what gets the emphasis. Yeah. And so for that reason, and not surprisingly, I guess. I, I'm very partial to the classical method because mm-hmm. I'm more philosophically oriented by nature. I like arguments. I like just as a form. 
Well, I mean, like, like for instance, if you're an evidentialist, and again, it's so hard to separate because I don't, I don't want our audience to think you've got to choose between all these. Uh, I mean, it, that is not the case. But there are some people that are inclined towards one much more than another and even defend that. But whenever you're an evidentialist, um, the classical apologist will look at you the same way, I think, that the presuppositionalist does. Uh, just a little bit less so. The presuppositionalist and the classical apologetic, uh, classic, or the evidentialist will say, you guys who are classical, um, excuse me, I'm messing this up. The, the evidentialist and the, uh, uh, both of them will look at the evidentialist and say, you don't have the, the goods to bring about enough conviction. Oh, you mean the presuppositionalist and the classical classical yeah, apologists we'll look, at the, we'll look at the evidentialist and say you don't have any kind of like sufficient warrant yeah, all that's this right. evidence that you're giving you have you a don't catalog have... of facts or evidence yeah. but you don't what is it you don't have well we'll think about it this way um, the 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 evidentialist may get up to 75%. You know, we've got 75% evidence, that's enough, and it warrants our belief, as long as it's above 50%. Mm -hmm. The next presuppositionalist will say, no, you need 100%. Remember how we talked about it? It's, it's we have perfect conviction, 100% certainty. Now, the, the classical doesn't really go that far, but they go way high up there, you know, because of the deduction. So, uh, arguments that I put forward have to do with reason, have to do with deducting from what we see, kind of, kind of syllogisms, if-then mm -hmm. uh, statements. If, if we have existence, let's go to the, just the basic yeah. classical. Premise, here. argument, conclusion. That's right. Yeah. If, if, if existence is real, um, then God must exist. You know, I mean, because God has to create it. And so it's a deduction. It's a deduction based upon what we already see, what we already hear, uh, what we already know. You don't have to have, let's put it this way, you don't have to have information that is given to you by anybody to come to the conclusion that God exists from a classical perspective. That's why classical, and you guys can interrupt me anytime, but that's why classical apologists will, um, <clears throat> will be so, um, so, so certain about their beliefs mm -hmm. and say... Everybody can acquire this. You, it's a Romans 1 type thing. Since mm -hmm. the creation of the world, his invisible attributes have been clearly mm -hmm. seen. And that's something that a presuppositionalist would, would also, they would go in that direction. But I guess maybe the difference, if we want to talk about the difference between a classical um, and a presuppositionalist, is that with classical apologetics, you reason to God. And with presuppositional apologetics, you reason from God. Because God, therefore. Yeah, that's good. As like opposed it. to because reason, therefore God exists. No, the, it's because God exists, therefore reason exists. So, I mean, that's sort what of... What do you think, Clint? Do you think that's accurate? The similarity between the two is philosophical. They recognize some of the same things. And we said when we did presuppositional apologetics that they'll look at something like reason itself, moral, things people use when they talk. People think people things they assume I guess the difference is those things become full arguments for the classical apologist mm -hmm. in other words I think the classical apologist agrees that you're assuming those things you're assuming a standard of good when you tell me that God is bad because mm -hmm. he you know elects yeah, cancer yeah. you're assuming you're assuming nature is uniform you're assuming all kinds of things that so there's agreement there but but the traditional classical apologist says, does more than just leaving it at that, saying, hey, you're assuming it. He says, and by the way, 
I can make this into a positive case argument. The moral argument, the argument from yeah, reason, yeah. you know, um, an, an aesthetic argument, maybe mm-hmm. an argument from beauty, beauty or something, um, an argument from the uniformity of nature. We're de- it's good we're defining this well because the word classical doesn't tell you that much. Like evidentialist yeah. presuppositions, those describe what they, they are. They actually stay. Classical they? can mean anything, so it's good we really say this. I think that I would, that the two reasons why. I, why I am drawn to this, to, to this probably as much as anything is because, one, just because I'm, I like philosophy, right? And so mm-hmm. it's so it's very philosophical. philosophical. I really nature. just, I, I like when ideas are brought together and sorted out clearly and where you see how this leads to this leads to this and it makes sense and sort of careful, um, careful stepping through, it's just a critical thinking through of, of all the ideas. See what comes from what, what leads to what. And and it uses argument. It really majors on you know evidences can just be stockpiled, and they mm-hmm. they don't they in and of themselves they don't necessarily tell you anything. No, you the, just da- observe the, them. that's data. Like let's just data. say that raw data is neutral. Right. It's the you know it's the conclusions that count, mm-hmm. and that is where uh, philo- philosophical presuppositions mm-hmm. or philosophical arguments that your mm-hmm. mode of thinking, the way you think, impacts yeah. the conclusions you make. Because so, to me, argument is the basic form of. It's it's one of the most basic forms of communication. Well, that's how we minds. think. I mean, technically, we're always thinking syllogistically, meaning yeah. that we're rational creatures. We're always thinking. We walk into a room. There's an empty chair, or there's not an empty chair. If there's an empty chair, I'm going to sit there. So mm-hmm. we're always thinking. Maybe not like formal syllogism, but we're always thinking in those terms. Yeah. We're always using logic. We're never not using it. You know? And an argument is a simple thing. It's not yes. complicated. It, it doesn't yeah. have to be a thing that uh, takes 45 pages. Yeah. If you make an assertion about something, yes. well, I, you if you know, say it, this is so and then you say this is why, you just made Doesn't this seem That's right. to be, I mean, just a repackaging of what went on in the 18th century, the uh, 16th, 17th, 18th century, all these guys kind of come into the coming to where do we acquire knowledge from you know? oh you mean like Descartes and, and, and then you, sort of you've that got the, the blank the slate and the people who are rationalist and, and then the empiricists right well that well that's not just the 16th 17th that's that goes back to Plato well, and, well think uh, of it that way you know, with that, the rationalists it's, it's, and the empiricists it's an ongoing that's I think through the history of civilization we see essentially those two approaches to how we know things well the rationalist would and, be the, the classical yes and the empiricist would be the evidentialist that would and, be and again like the, a, the basic things in, here in, a, in an umbrella sort of way that would be fair well we're to, talking to about are that. you born with this information or do you have to acquire it somehow mm-hmm you know, and well, well, the and information back to nature versus nurture. I mean, all right. this stuff you can kind of parallel with what well, we're Well, in about. terms of being born with information, I think we're born with some information. See, a tabula rasa would say we're born with nothing. Well, not, not data. No, I'm not talking about data. Right, right. I'm just talking about the way your brain functions. Oh, like the this. ability to. Well, listen to this. Here, right. Here's a great mm-hmm. study. It's one of these ones that I have no clue where I got it from, but I'd love to because I've used it so many times. So we're, we'll just hope it's true. Yeah. The scientists do this study. Scientists put that in there, and it's always oh, that's valid. A, that, you win. They wore they wore white coats, and and use some some Latin phrase that'll wear, validate. They wear white coats, but they don't work in the okay, clinic. Okay, but what what are you counter? saying there? <laughs> they took they took uh, babies that were less than a year old, and set them up in a room to where the scientists they were looking at the scientists, and the scientists would walk behind a screen, and then they would pull the screen up and reveal them 
from behind the screen. Mm -hmm. So what happens is these scientists will walk behind the screen. Let's say two mm -hmm. go behind the screen. They uh, lift up the screen, and there's two people. The babies are like, ah, oh, who cares? You know, they're just looking around doing nothing. Mm -hmm. But they did it where they had two walk behind the screen, and one of them left, you know, and hid. And then they revealed that there was only one. And the babies would stare for much longer because they knew something was wrong. Something was different. Yeah, that's right. And mm -hmm. the way the brain functions mm -hmm. is it's, it's just universal. The, the great thing about classical apologetics and the way, is it's the universal. the way the mind functions, yeah. too. That's another caveat. And what classical apologists will say is that we have common ground. Now, that's not what evidentialists says, and it's not even what presuppositionalists say. We have to meet them on the common ground before we can take the next step. Mm -hmm. And so it's kind of like, what does everybody already know? Well, we are all already know God exists. We can argue that without mm -hmm. any, without any evidences, without any, you know, data that's uh, being given. And then after we get to that point where we know God exists, then we can move to the next step, which is talking about our God. And I guess probably next time we'll talk about the critique of it, and that will be a big critique. Mm -hmm. Well, I mentioned two things that, uh, to me, a long ago kind of draw me, drew me toward it. One is the philosophical nature of it, I said, but the other one is the fact that, and tell me if, um, you know, if you think this is a miss, but, but the, the leading, um, I don't know, the, the representatives of this way of doing it, to me, are like a hall of fame of the, um, the intellectual giants of, of our history, you yeah, know, such as. Well, so for example, we'll go all the way back. Even you know, we can go to uh, that little that lightweight thinker like Augustine or Augustine, if you like, mm -hmm. and and just go through um, some of the, uh, the big minds, the big brains, you know, Aquinas, and all the, the medieval all the, guys, the medieval, the, the circle of all the yeah. scholastics and all of that. Well, through a number of Christian thinkers, not all, but the a English, number through yeah. the, into the modern age, and then of course. If there's a man who modern people, 20th century people anyway, um, first read or heard, probably read, who came to be the, the man, it's Clyde CS. Staples Lewis. <laughs> That's right. And, and, you know, we've been doing a lot. We've said about some of these other ones, like, this is the most, this is the, this is the, ver this is the approach that most blah, blah, blah. Like, for example... We said, <clears throat> we said about um, empiricism, or we said about um, evidentialism, that this is the way people today think the most. So this is what people think apologetics probably is. A common people just think, oh yeah, it's evidences. We will say, when we get to fideism, the last one we do, we will say then, this may be the way most people just today that's how they automatically the, in they, their own their mind default. justify their own beliefs. Before you encounter, I guess, maybe any sort of... Um, anything other than that, that mm -hmm. default position of, well, you just got to believe kind of mm -hmm. thing. Again, I don't want to caricature for deism, but let's just say for the convers sake of conversation, mm -hmm. that's kind of what it is. Well, you just believe and you don't really argue for it and, and defend it. And but what I'm, hold but it. yeah, but so, so in this, in that same vein of, of identifying one of these and saying, this is the way that most people, I would, I would make a similar statement about this classical approach. And that it would be something like this. I think that this approach and all the, the long list of those who have exemplified it, I think that this is um, this is the approach that when when a Christian, I'm trying to say this in a way that doesn't sound elitist or some nonsense, but because so we talk about the problem in the church of people 
Don't think too much. But right. So I say, if you get a Christian, you can take a young person, a college age, seminary age, or just any, um, at a point where they can begin to read more complicated stuff. A Christian who who first is awakened to kind of the the intellectual element of yeah. their their beliefs and the defending of it in a serious way. I think it's this approach that usually first awakens them. In other, I told you that, you know, I remember the Josh McDowell and the evidences, and I thought that was pretty cool as yeah. like a high schooler and stuff. I thought, hey, that's cool. I like that. I mean, this is the, but that's different. It wasn't until I, until I read people like Lewis where I saw not just a lot of really cool, useful information in the form of lists of evidence. I saw a powerful mind laying forth arguments. Hmm. Now that's different, hmm. and that made me think, "Whoa, baby!" I never thought about I want to read way. more of this. Mm-hmm. I, I want to. I want to read more and more of this, just because it's kind of like, I don't know. It's kind of like it's a certain. It's it's like a res, there's a little bit of a resistance training for the for the for the brain muscle there too, but also it just, I don't know. It, it's it's a way of thinking that that we need, frankly. I think. Well, I mean, it speaks to the he demonstrated with all his now Lewis had his problems theologically okay i I, and i Mm -hmm. i i i'll just leave it at that but still in the face of it his it it bespeaks the integrity of the christian mind that's the thing with lewis is that there's no doubt about it the man was a, a genuine intellectual um and that that means that that right there shows that as christians you should do that you should pursue that so it kind of speaks to um, the life of the mind in in the church and in the individual life of the believer uh, b- to where the way, there needs know, to be l- that integrity. A lot of people listening, I, we, we have probably introduced it once or twice before, but this is Clint Roberts. Yes. He's a professor of philosophy, and uh, he joins us for many of our podcasts, and he is uh, a good voice to have. So if you were trying to figure out who this voice is and we haven't introduced him. It's Clint. It's, it's Billy Clint. Graham. There we go. <laughs> and he does voice impersonations. Yes, he does. Very well. And uh, he can even impersonate, impersonate people like uh, St. Augustine and Martin Luther. I don't know how you do that. It's St. Augustine sounded like this. Yeah, man, you know what it's like. <laughs> I ain't no Neoplatonist no more. <laughs> That'd be terrible if it was. <laughs> My main man Ambrose of Milan. <laughs> No, that's the, one of the Fat Albert gang members. Oh, that is. <laughs> As Augustine. Yeah. I'm sorry. I, I do I do I appreciate the classical that, yeah. approach. Um, I know that a lot of people in the classical mm-hmm. approach identify themselves two ways. It's like, I'm not sure is this self-identity thing going on. You know, we're, we're trying to figure out where do I stand. I mean, a lot of them just don't really know where they're at. And it, uh, that's okay. Even in the uh, Like which camp book, they're in? Yeah, you the mean like are they classical? That, uh, are they evidentialists? Are they classical? Are they presuppositionalists? That's a good point. Is that's that what you mean? Like yeah. they, I, I think one reason, I don't know, to me it seems, to, it seems like um, an evidentialist, maybe I'm wrong, a lot of evidentialists are more inclined to identify themselves as such and defend that and yeah, say, that's yeah. this is what I am, this is the way to go. And presuppositionalists definitely, definitely, definitely mark themselves out and say, this is what I am. I think a lot of the figures and the names throughout the history that we would say, this is a classical apologist, never thought like that. Yeah. Maybe didn't even think that much about the different approaches. They were just they were just uh, thinkers, you know? Well, that's something that, interesting that the different approaches... Um, I would venture to say that the classical approach is probably 
the most long-standing approach used in the church. Well, well again, it's the right? same type of thing because you're born with I mean, the information. You're born with the goods. Is a relatively, if I'm not mistaken, that would technically be a relatively well, but novel remember, approach, right? Remember, the evidentialists will say though. Oh well, that, yeah, that, that you that see it in scripture. That we have that being that model demonstrated in scripture. In, in scripture, and 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 I I will grant that. But here's the thing. I mean, Insofar as just making good arguments is 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 a big part of what the what the um, classical approach does, that's just as biblical as anything. Any of the letters Paul wrote um, involves a nice long a class, chain yeah. of reasoning in which he moves from this to this to this in order to show you if you hang with him and you yeah. don't just yeah. read a verse and walk away, if you hang with him, you will see that he's presenting a case. And it's that bigger sense. And and I think also if you say, if we ask, well, what arguments do you think? To the degree that arguments are good arguments, yeah. um, obviously some are and, and some aren't, and there's a spectrum there. But if you say, well, what are the best ones? Who makes the best arguments? So that's when I think, I honestly think the, 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 classical. the classical arguments well, as you, you that, are better I, I want you, I want you to tell me exactly what these arguments are, because I know our listeners are saying, wait a minute, what, what are these called? And they've probably heard some of them. But, but here's a funny illustration that I had was a few years ago with my daughter, and I was on the way taking her to school, uh, Caitlin, and she had forgotten her pencil, some type of pencil that she has to have for school. So we're on the way driving, and I said, you know, Caitlin, we can't turn around. What if we pray for God to make the pencil appear in the car? I, and, and we both prayed, and then uh, it didn't obviously happen. <laughs> Let there be faith. pencil. I said, I said, Caitlin, this is crazy. Don't you think God's powerful enough to make this pencil? I say, name the and pencil and claim the pencil, <laughs> and, and it I, shall materialize. Why, why didn't Why didn't God do something so simple? And I said, I don't think God exists now. And I was just seeing what she would say, and she she was very classical, you know, not informational, not talking about the pencil and the history of the pencil or whatever else. What she did was say. But, Daddy, if God didn't exist, the pencil wouldn't have existed to begin with. <laughs> well played, Caitlin. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> that's, almost, that's a little very presuppositional, classical. That's too. almost presuppositional. It is. Yeah. It, it crosses over there. Give me some of the classical, classic yeah. arguments. Okay. They have funny names, but we shall break them down. Uh, the list, the, the order they always come in, usually begins with the big C. Cosmo- Cosmological. Logical. Mm-hmm. And I, we can either say them first and define what they are in case people don't know. But And then there's one that I think belongs sort of in both camps because we mentioned it actually. Oh, teleological. Uh, the teleological, a.k.a. design yeah, type yeah. argument, mm-hmm. is, is evidential in many respects when you get to the minutiae of it because mm-hmm. with design... It's pointing to teleology. You're actually yeah. looking specifically at... You're looking at, at the ends yeah. and teleology. But you're looking bigger, at the beginnings. Yeah. But but the bigger picture of the te- oh, I think of the design is argument a philosophical is, argument, is a philo- yeah. because you're 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 taking all of those things and you're drawing the inference from it that look this this must have involved God intelligence and pre planning sure. and so on the moral argument which to me mate it's a, it's a good candidate for best overall yeah. <laughs> in terms of just I think it I think there's a lot of, and the, the moral argument you? is the argument I think more than any other that most common people first encountered. As a, as an example of this kind of this kind of philosophical reasoning that sort of pushes you to recognize um, God in the universe, and that is because back to back to our guy C.S. Lewis, whose very very famous work entitled Mere Christianity was one of those all time bestseller type books. Still that is three hundred million as anything. Yeah. And what is it anyway? At least his first several chapters. What is it? An extended version of the moral argument. That is what it is. 
So that one, sometimes there's an argument from reason, another thing Lewis did as well, from reason itself. Beauty. There's from beauty. Sometimes the classical apologists will do things like, what about religious experience? What about the, Veri- argument from the Veritas argument? <laughs> truth. Right. Argument of truth. Mm-hmm. That truth exists. Yeah. What is that actually formally called? Objective truth argument? or I like the Latin version, so I'm going to go with that. The Veritas argument. Yeah, why not? I think I just coined a phrase, haven't I? Yeah. That, there that, there's no formal label for that, though, in... Um, that I'm thinking of right now in classical apologetics. What, the argument for the existence of truth? Yeah, it, what's like the, the snappy, quick title yeah. it's for funny. it. And, and it is, yeah. and all these, are, you're overlapping a whole lot with presuppositional. Well, because it, it's what it's ultimately doing. Maybe we should have gone in that order, you know, presuppositionalism, then classical. Yeah, that cancel all these Actually, past ones. <laughs> we should have went evidentialism, classical, and presuppositional. There you go. But oh, no, no. presuppositionals no. get mad at you no, for that. No, 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 it isn't because it's saving the best for last. Oops, okay. did I say no. that out loud? <laughs> That's what we were supposed I, I, I to do, Michael. I was talking Michael. about how close they are to you. I wanted well, to back clean up. Because, yeah, because, but, but they're close because they're both heavily um, dependent upon transcendence. And That's what they're arguments. They're, these philosophical arguments. You already know that, you already know that it exists. For the transcendent. Because of knowledge the of The objective nature of, yeah. of it. And the main all. thing is the impossibility of the contrary with presuppositionalism. But this one, again, yeah. it goes, and you do look at information, you do process it, and the classical apologist would say, we can meet on common ground and I can help you process how how your reasoning is yeah. can't can't be right without God. And, and what we'll do shortly, because we only have a few minutes here, but at the beginning of the next episode, we're going to, you know, we mentioned these arguments. We can maybe spend a little bit of time of just explaining what they are, okay. and then we'll discuss. What about the ontological? Would you put it in there? It definitely yes. belongs. Yeah, yeah. yeah. We probably well, skipped it because I don't. I, don't, it I, I don't, love the ontological. <laughs> I don't camp argument. on it, but it's it's cool to and, think about as a philosophical a contingency thing argument? because it's purely rational. I mean, yeah. it's, it's it's a completely. Oh, yeah. It is. I mean, and it's and it's a fascinating one, although. Its usefulness with people is very, very uh, because low. Because you start, you start talking about that stuff, and people like the worst thing you could have, ever do. Hey, is to I, go I, I, I start of, talking about it, like, and I go glazed over it. No, no, they look at you like, oh, oh, well, listen, I've got, I got a room with some paint in it. I need to go watch that dry. Go, go I'll, into I'll, a debate. I'll see you later. Like you an, know. an atheist type debate, and just bust out the ontological as your argument. And, uh, and and that you're going you're going to perish in flames because everyone's no, just going to say you won't perish because oh. you you're sitting there going I got them yeah, <laughs> I got them right between the eyes it's very unconvincing and all the other guys going to do is get up and say but God kills people uh, exactly. well, isn't, isn't this interesting isn't this interesting I know we're, we're Sorry, out of time I here laugh he lets that. puppies die <laughs> I'm not a- he makes the pencil not appear when I want it. And that's going to be a slam dunk for that guy. All right. Okay, well, uh, is that good then? So we'll yeah, wrap this one up we're and good. then the next one. Yeah, so we'll see you guys later. Thanks for listening. If you're enjoying Theology Unplugged, let me tell you about some of the other resources we have available. Visit us online at credohouse.org and browse over 2,000 articles on everything from the Crusades to gay marriage. Sign up for email updates and get the latest news, event announcements, and special deals before anyone else. Connect with us on social media. Just search Credo House on Twitter and Facebook. And you can always email us at theologyunplugged at credohouse.org. We want you to be part of the Credo community. Please partner with us in making theology accessible. 
and pushing back the intellectual attack on Christianity. Thank you.